Hello and welcome to another episode of From the Heart of the Home. I am Claire Cameron and today I'm going to share a little bit of the adventure that we've had so far this year. Oh my god, what a ride. I'm not even talking about world events, I'm just talking about our family. So we'd had a week back at school um, after extended school holidays and I had just had very, very exciting surprise visit from my amazing friend Kylie, who lives in Victoria. Um, and I had just finished, just come back from dropping her back from the airport. We'd been back like maybe an hour. And the little guy, who is six, fell off the monkey bars. So he was trying to do a double-handed swing. He fell, landed on his wrist. All I heard was, get mommy! And then screaming. And no, it was, it didn't look good. Um... So we took him to, because we live in regional, we're on the Sunshine Coast, we took him to our regional hospital, um, which I've never had an injury like this before. Um, And when we've lived in, so we've had one other injury, like decent injury with the kids and we just went to the big Brisbane hospital. So we just went straight to Noosa. Um, We were seen, took a little while, the doctor, they did x-rays. The doctor made out to me like it wasn't really much. He'd just need to have the cast for three weeks probably and then it'd be fine. And he was referring us to the next largest hospital, which is Sunshine Coast University Hospital, um, like about 40 minutes away from us. So all in the public system. So I thought, okay, this was on a Saturday. That's fine. Monday morning, I rang, the that's called the Fracture Clinic, rang them straight away. And they said, we've just received your son's files and we will be in touch with your appointment. I'm like, okay. So in my head, I'm assuming, assuming I should have checked, don't assume, that they would review them and they triage them and then see them like based on how serious they are. So when I got to Thursday and I hadn't had a call yet, um, I rang again. I'm like, mm, still haven't heard anything. And they said, oh, you'll get an appointment between, uh, what do they say, on Monday or Tuesday. So then I got a message later that day saying your appointment is on Monday. I'm like, okay. So still thinking, oh, it mustn't be much. Like if, if they're going to leave at, what, nine days by that stage, it must be nothing. So we rock up for our appointment at the Fracture Clinic. And firstly, we've been sitting there, our appointment was at 8.45. We've been sitting there for an hour and somebody comes around and says, oh, the doctors have been held up in the ward. They're going to be at least another 40 minutes. I'm like, okay. I packed snacks. I packed a notebook. I packed games. I'm always prepared when we go to hospital for ED, everything. <laughs> the emergency visit, I had a packet of coloured of crayons and a brand new scrapbook that I gave to another mum who was struggling waiting with her little girl. Always be prepared when you go to emergency, if possible. Um, snacks, drinks, entertainment. Um, so we were finally seen at 10.45, they took us through, so we were seen by an intern. Now, zero disrespect to interns, I know that everybody has to start somewhere with learning, but this girl looked at his x-rays, so this was the first time, firstly they couldn't access them, she got them, looked at them, kind of went, mm, gonna have to speak to my registrar, went out, he came back in. And he said, look, I can't really see you very well on this. I'm going to have to get some new x-rays. Okay, fine. So we go back out to the waiting room. 
And this is like, I don't know if anyone's ever experienced this. If you've experienced this before, it's like a cross between an airport, like when you're waiting at your gate and a deli. So you've got a number, there's a board with numbers on it and your number flashes up and it beeps. So it's like Pavlov's dog. Every time it beeps, everybody looks at the boards. Um, your number comes up and then it tells you where to go. So we went back and we're sitting down playing our game again. Then our number comes up, tells us to go to x-ray room this. So we go off, have the x-rays, back out, number beeps again. We go back in, doctor comes straight back in. Um, so the register again. And the first thing he says, looks at the x-ray, goes, that's going to need surgery. And I'm like, okay, hold up. Could you run me through this? And he starts running me through the surgery. I'm like, no, 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 no. Back a step. What can you see? What's the issue here? Um, so he ran us through it. Um, he's, he had, look, I can't explain it. I need a picture. But there was damage to his growth plate. One part of his wrist had gone into the growth plate. It wasn't, it wasn't good to my eye. Um, that's what they were saying. So they said that they would want to operate within the next two or three days. He was going to confirm with his superior um, this is what would happen. So in my head, I am trying to stay, no, in my head, I'm freaking the F out. I'm thinking that this is awful. Also thinking about all the COVID stuff on top of this with me being unjuiced and everything that we might have to go through. So we got out of there. They said that they would ring to schedule the surgery. So we got out of there. First thing I did was ring my mum, who is brilliant in these situations. And I said, mum, I need you to find us a private also in Brisbane, because if he's going to need surgery, I want, I want, I want to go in the private system. We have private health. I want to, I want to use it. Um, so uh, there was a lot of magic worked, and we found a doctor, a great doctor, and he, we scheduled an appointment with him for the following day. They'd put us down tentatively for surgery on Thursday. He happens to do his surgery roster once a fortnight on a Thursday and that was the Thursday that he was doing. Um, so in the meantime, later that night, seven o'clock, the doctor who we'd seen at the fracture clinic rings back and says, I've spoken to my superior and because it has been nine days, it started to heal in that position and we think that operating, so what they were going to do is put him under, do an x-ray, no, put him under, manipulate it, and then possibly, if needed, put a pin in it to hold it in place. So he said, his superior said, because it has been nine days, it has started to set in that position and we would do more damage if we were to touch it. So what they wanted to do was put it in a cast above his elbow for six weeks. Like, okay. So then we had the appointment with the, the private ortho in Brisbane, um, a, a telehealth appointment, and he said, look, it does look to me like it could have started to set, but what I don't know is at what point it started to set. You've had two lots of x-rays. We don't know whether it moved when they were trying to take the x-rays because he had a removable cast on at that stage, um, or it has started to set back there. What I wanna do is get him under general so I can get it in the exact position that I need to x-ray it and see exactly what's happened. Um, if I can realign it, I will um, and put a pin in it to hold it like that and then we will cast it up to below his elbow and review it in two weeks. He'll get the pin out in four weeks. 
six weeks he'll be out of the cast. All right, had to pause there for a second and <laughs> lost my train of thought a little bit. Okay, so we were left we were left with that. So we had one doctor telling us um, to move it could do more damage than good. The second doctor agreeing with that, but also not knowing when. Like he didn't have his own X-rays there. He hadn't examined him. He didn't know when it had moved because yeah, we'd had a removable cast. So we had the half cast put on in at Noosa when it first happened. He was in agony with that and it was really heavy. He couldn't do anything. So we had a private place review his x-rays and they said, yes, they can put on a temporary um, thermoplastic is what it's called. So he was in that so they could remove that for the second lot of x-rays. Anyway, it's been a big, it was a big run around. So I had these two separate opinions. Also, in the back of my mind, have my knowledge that the body heals everything. The body heals everything. We can heal ourselves from everything. So we're faced with the decision of, and we have a child who's a very, very, very active child and we have three children. So two other children to think of. So we're faced with the decision of, do we go ahead with the surgery? So we had the surgery option, we had the cast above his elbow option, or we had investigate a third option, while also delaying the fact and remembering the fact that he's already 10 days into this, and we're basically starting from scratch with whatever we choose. So we chose the private doctor um, to do the surgery, do the x-rays under general and go that route and did not make this decision lightly. I cried and cried and cried at the thought of putting him through that, um, at the thought of the medications, the general, they give antibiotics with um, the general, especially with him having the uh, wires put in his, the the pin put in his arm, um, which again, is something I possibly would have declined, given everything that I know and that I have been learning about the body, about health. Um, So it was a major, major decision for me, where for some, some it's that's what the doctors have said, this is what we're going to do, which is fine, each to their own. But I'm just, why am I sharing this? I'm sharing this because I want other people to see that there are There are others who go through these major dilemmas. So it wasn't, it's not that I didn't believe that his body would heal on its own because it does heal on its own. They didn't fix him. They moved it. His body will still do all the healing itself. But what I had to factor in was if it were me, I have, say, the luxury of mucking around with my hand. Um... I can uh, take care of myself. I'm sure, uh, I'm not explaining this very well. If it were me, I probably wouldn't have done the surgery. But again, I don't have growth plates that are growing, so that would have been a different situation anyway. We had, we didn't have anybody outside of us to support us through that, should we choose a non-medical route. Um, So it would be delaying the process. There's also the expense of it. you know, had we been in the bush on our own, homeschooling, being able to relax, um, look after, like nothing else to think about, 
maybe we would have looked at not doing the surgery and doing it differently. But for us and for him, he'd already missed so much school for, from grade one. He's a super active kid, so delaying his the process even more, even though maybe it would have been faster if it hadn't, we'll never know. But what we had to, what I had to do was make that decision and then do the best that I could to support him through that. Um, so I accepted that, yes, he was going to have, he was going to go into general anesthetic. He was going to be having antibiotics. He was going to be having painkillers. He did have some very strong painkillers. But while also knowing that in the last three years, that's, that's all he's had. Um, so knowing that his little body, I have been doing everything that I can and I always do to have all my children's bodies as strong and healthy as possible so that when something happens, they can handle it. So I got together all my things so what did I do so with general anesthetic any medications and x-ray what I'm trying to do is detox I was not aiming to reduce inflammation um, I believe inflammation is important and his, that's his body's way of one of the core parts of healing chronic inflammation different story inflammation for a specific purpose for healing is needed so I wasn't focusing on that I was focusing on helping his body to detox from the um, not so great parts of the medication. So we did essential oils. So obviously I was using essential oils for, not obviously, I was using essential oils for emotional purposes. So to support both of us, we were using them before we went to the hospital, in the hospital, like every moment. I had little sprays that I was spraying. I was rolling it on him to calm us because it's not... He's never had anything like this before. He's never really had any sickness, nothing. So to have... This was his third hospital visit, actually his fourth hospital visit because two weeks prior, three weeks prior, he split his head open and he had to go to emergency and get it glued. But so he's had, he's had a run, the poor little guy, and the hospitals are not... A great place at the best of times but at the moment with COVID you know you walk up you're greeted by security guards at the entrance to the hospital everybody's masked it's not a, a friendly it, it is a friendly environment for but for a child it is not harboring a sense of security and safety seeing a whole lot of people faceless people basically um, in a sterile area the actual hospital was amazing but that part was not so, but on top of that, we had the added stress of me not knowing what was going to happen COVID restriction-wise. So at the moment, the actual restriction is that as an unjabbed parent, you may attend with a minor because um, apparently they form a human shield and that makes it okay. If he was older than 16, it would not be okay. I wouldn't be allowed to attend with him. Um but so we walked straight into the hospital. They asked me to sign in with the QR thing. I don't have the app. Gave me an iPad, then asked for my certificate. And I said, I don't have one. I'm not vaccinated. Um, he said, that's fine. You're accompanying a minor. That was it. I walked straight in. I had no mask. I will not wear a mask around my children. I won't wear a mask for my own personal reasons, as well as the fact that from what, I, what I'm comfortable with, they do not protect me. They do more harm than good. 
for me. This is what I have come to for myself. Anyway, from Friday here where we are, nobody else needs them either. Apparently, COVID's taking a little holiday. So we'll just see how that goes. Um, And then that asked me to restrict my movements within. So this was on admission, um, prior to admission, sorry, we had an interview and the woman had asked me these questions. And then she said, that's fine. Totally fine. I just ask that you limit your movements through the hospital and wear a mask. But obviously, I wasn't wearing a mask. I, I can't, I'm limited to move with him. So I can't not go with him. Um, but that was the last mention that we had of it. We did have one thing. So, but I did have a lot of stress in the lead up to it of what could happen. Because I'm meant to wear a mask, limit my movements and also be tested within 24 hours of arrival in the hospital. Now, this is a little bit of a um, crazy story. So I'm very precious and I sleep with an eye mask. Um, But we got to, so we got to, we'll add on top of this, that a major, major rain event started on Wednesday morning. We were meant to be going down to Brisbane on Thursday morning to get to the hospital for 11 o'clock. Started raining Wednesday and my mum suggested we go that afternoon. I didn't love the idea, but then my husband agreed and I got outnumbered. So I went down Wednesday. I was actually super grateful for it, but I forgot my eye mask. So we're staying at my parents' place in Brisbane and mum has a cupboard that where it's just like a collection of hotel. They have visitors a lot. So mum, whenever she goes to a hotel or on the plane, she, she keeps all the little bottles of things. But she also had a stash of eye masks. So I went into the cupboard to get an eye mask and I saw a pile of rapid tests. And they just happened to be saliva tests. And I'll start with No one in my family has been tested. I will not get tested unless there are, like, depending on the second. But anyway, I'll tell the story in a sec. I'm not one to go out and get tested just because I've got a sniffle. Not going to happen. We do, my whole family has nasal swab exemptions, which I got from a doctor last year. So when I saw this saliva test, I thought, look, worst case scenario, I'm going to decline if they ask me. I'm not the patient. They really have no rights over me. But should it come down to it for me to stay with him, I would do that. So I put them in my bag, message mum. Mum replies, oh yeah, that's fine. I ordered nasal swabs, but they sent me those by accident. Okay, so I've got the fact that I forgot my eye mask, which I never do because I can't sleep without it because I'm precious. And then I happened to remember that mum has a cupboard with all the things and it might have eye masks in it. And then she had the test there and they happened to be saliva tests because they'd sent her the wrong ones. So I put them in my bag. Anyway, when we got to the hospital, we were admitted and then they said, we have to take you down to this floor for his rat test. And I said, I'm sorry, what? Nobody told me that he would be required to have a test. And they said, yes, it's a condition of putting them under general because if they do test positive, it can affect their lungs. Now, I am presented with this. We have been through everything that we've been through. So we're now on day 12 after the injury. We have had a very, very kind doctor squeeze us in. He's been through a lot already. We've travelled. We've organised for our other two to be looked after by my parents. 
it's already been a big deal and then we're at our third hospital at that stage I had to do some serious weighing up in my head do I decline this with the potential of us being turned away or do I accept it so the first thing I said was he has a nasal swab exemption um, and I'm already there maskless I'll add that so I'm already drawing a bit of a a attention I I can't explain for people who aren't maskless or unvaccinated I cannot explain to you what it feels like right now in terms of the judgment that you have from people just for your own bodily choices I can't it's actually making me teary thinking about it because I can't think about it too much because the way I and so many other people have been treated in the last however many months just because of our medical choices is disgusting so I've always got that fear in the back of my mind and I don't want that to go to rub off onto my child when this is a, an awful situation for him already I'm trying to make light of it so I said he's got a nasal swab exemption and she kind of just looked at me and then I said look I've brought my own I asked do you have saliva tests and she said oh I uh, don't know well look I've brought my own so they took us down and they checked the nurses were all lovely I will give that that like they were all lovely they rang the doctor and checked if that would be acceptable and he said yeah that's fine so I was told I had to administer the test because he uh, because it's not theirs so they can't administer it and I had to be supervised administering it now you're meant to cough and then swipe it all around his cheeks all over his tongue. I wasn't going to do that. Um, the test can contain some nasty contaminants. It's not something that I want to do. I didn't even want it anywhere near him. So my compromise, it's like a pregnancy test in that it needs to absorb fluid. So I whispered in his ear to get a whole lot of spit in his mouth and I stuck it under his tongue. I told him to put it under his tongue and I just put it in there and I pretended to be swishing it all around and I just did that until it had soaked it all up. He was negative. Now, I will say, I'm not stupid. I am not um, putting anyone in danger. He, the whole point of the test was for his, his benefit. I wish that there was an option to just sign a waiver. Now, I didn't argue it. I could have argued it at that point. I really hate that I, that I, uh, what is it? I, I went along with it. I hate, I hate that I did that. But at the time, I had to make a decision that was best for my child, which I will always do, which I have done through this entire thing. I choose what's best for my family. Um, and then it was fine from there. So it was a really long day. He didn't actually get, sur- get taken into surgery until 3 o'clock when he'd been fasting since 8. I hadn't had any to eat since nine so I was pretty starving by then too but um he went straight in went off to sleep he was he was nervous it's like it's scary an operating theater for a little guy with like six people in there um yeah it's a big deal so it was about uh 45 minutes he was in for very long 45 minutes for me but I went into the waiting room covered myself in oils made myself a cup of tea and distracted myself for a little while and then, then he was out. So he was really groggy, really sore. 
And I will say, I felt like the worst person in the whole world when I saw him come out of that. Because all I could think was of the happy, like reasonably comfortable little boy who'd gone in and that we'd done that to him. And I can't tell you how awful I felt. And I'm sharing this because I know that there would be other people in this situation. I don't ever share things for sympathy. I share things for solidarity. Um, People don't talk about this stuff. So off we went to his room. Um, Then he was pretty happy. It was a bit hopped up. I won't... uh, Don't even get me started on hospital food. Several nurses had already mentioned to him about Zupadupas, which is something I am like massive no effing way my children are not eating that it is literally brain poison in a tube and they give it to children in a hospital but they had spoken about it so much I gave in because I figure in for a penny in for a pound no not really but he just wanted it so badly and I felt so terrible So that's what they're feeding them in hospitals. The food was horrendous. We didn't order any of the food. I took all our own food. Um, Even if all he ate was cleavers, hot dogs and um, popcorn. And then my husband came up. Also technically not allowed, but came up, brought us pizza. Um, So he had, he did have strong painkillers overnight. He had strong painkillers in the morning and then some more Panadol for the next 24 hours. And then he's been fine since. We got him straight into a foot bath when we got home. So we've done um, magnesium oil. What is that stuff called? Bentonite clay, apple cider vinegar and grapefruit oil foot baths. Oh, with a little bit of salt. Um, so that's another thing draws out toxins we've been doing magnesium oil on his legs I have been doing capsules that I made up with shilajit shilajit I think that's how you say it whole food vitamin C um, oh two other mushrooms that I cannot for the life of me remember right now chaga and collagen I have been getting gelatin into it as much as possible raw milk been having beef liver and also milk thistle is another really good detoxifying um, herb plant so all of those things to support him so my overall point with this is that we can we can coexist I I've gotten to the point with everything that I know everything that I've learned everything that I've done that unless someone is unbelievably sick I or my child is unbelievably sick even then I still think we're capable of healing ourselves I'm not the medical system is not for me injury however that's where I think it has its place for our family if I was um totally lost that thought so just because someone can say that they don't agree with the medical system or the way that it is doesn't mean that you uh, can't it doesn't have a place that's what I'm trying to say it has a place everything has a place but my point with everything that I say is that right now we have gotten to a point where we rely on it for for things that we do we should not be relying on it for and they've taken advantage of that Um, yeah 
So for all the mums up there who are, are faced with maybe um, making a decision that's contradictory to your beliefs, your way of life, all of those things and it involves you doing some things that you're not so comfortable with, find if remember that it's always got to be a balance. It can't always it can't just be well for me, for me. It it couldn't just be about the surgery. It had to be about the bigger picture there with how long he would be out for, how long he would be missing school for, how long he would not be able to play swim um really he's already jumping off sand dunes and we are five days later i'm gonna have a heart attack or like some mental breakdown from him terrifying me before he yeah (laughs) is out of action um and then the impact on our family as well because we just had nine weeks of school holidays and then he's back for a week so there's that that i haven't worked for properly for a few months now it's the first of March and I've barely started work for the year um so there's there have always got to be all of those factors brought into the equation in your personal situation it's what it comes back to everybody has to do with everything what is right for you and your family based on your personal situation based on what you feel comfortable with based on your understanding your learning your research your people you trust that's what it all comes back to. I'm going to leave it there. See you next time.